Hey, Dennis McCain. Hey, Gary Rayburn. Who's that pretty little gal sitting beside of you? That's my honey bunny right over there, man. <laughs> hey, y'all. Uh, we're getting ready to get in the cab with this driver and head on down the road. That's right. We're fixing the bumpy to bump bump right on down the highway. Let's get this program on the road. Dennis, hit that starter. I do it. Here uh, we go. The lonely sound I spend all day chasing that old white line. I've been on the road so long, I've lost track of time. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day. That's The Road Is My Life, and that was Dennis and Leslie McKay, the McKay Project. And guess what, friends? They are right here with us. Hey, y'all. And we are on the road today. That's right. And, it, you know, that's thrilling because uh, one of the things we're doing with Lonesome Road, we're getting in the cab and we're taking this ministry on the road. 2020, you're going to be seeing us make a lot of stops. And we're going to be letting people know where we're going to be, and they can come out and be with us, man. Man, it's going to be exciting. I, I just love what God is doing, putting us together, to work together to uh, reach people right where they're at. That's right. And if you see the McKay Project bus rolling down the highway, big old white bus with McKay Project across the back, got a big MP on the back, 
That don't stand for Miss Piggy. That stands for McKay Project. That's right. See, y'all just follow us to where we make a stop, and we're going to have some church. And be sure to honk at us or wave at us. That happens every once in yeah, a while. Yeah, we have that happen quite frequently. I'll tell you what, if, if you uh, give them a call, they may just pull over and give you a free CD. How would that be? Yeah, mm -hmm. You got that right. Uh, yeah. We'll do it. That's so. right. I, I dare them. Yeah. Well, That's let's, right. <laughs> what number would they call if they if they was doing that? Well, if you were riding down the highway or the interstate and you saw McKay Project, you could call 662-889-2829, and that would be Dennis. And you can say, hey, man, we are passing you. We just saw you or whatever. And uh, we'll hook up with you and get you some free music. There you go. There you go. That'd Maybe be... even a t-shirt. Who knows? And a hat. And a hat. And a hat. I'm telling Man, you. We we're... might just hook you up with all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be Gary's t-shirt and Gary's hat there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that would be exciting to be able to uh, just drive down the road and see the McKay Project bus and dial them up and say, hey, y'all. Yep. Mm -hmm. Why don't yep. you pull over and give us some of that That's right. good music of yours? Mm -hmm. All you got to do is just when I answer the phone, say, howdy, how's your mom and them? And we'll, <laughs> we'll show them stop for you. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, so uh, why don't we put on a song by the McKay Project and preview a little bit of the music that you're going to be giving away when they pull you over. Here's Dennis and Leslie McKay, the McKay Project. Hey. Listen, if you don't mind, how about pouring me and Gary another cup of that coffee? <laughs> All right. Get that song going, and I'll bring you the coffee bag. All right. This is neat. This is really cool. Uh, here's that song.
Project with taking me home for all you drivers out there on that old lonesome road and that is off of our lonesome road volume one cd so if you would like to get a copy of that you can give us a call log on to our website lonesomeroad.org or show up at the mid-america truck show in louisville kentucky our booth is in the west wing 68084 and we look forward to meeting a whole lot of drivers this year at the Mid-America Truck Show. And we're excited to be partners with Tim Ridley and the Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM Channel 146. So tune in. And speaking of Tim Ridley, guess what? He is going to be our speaker on today's program. He joined uh, the Channel 21 Ministries conference line the other night for our Bible study, and he shared a message that I know you're going to enjoy. So here's our good friend, Tim Ridley. I am elated, I am honored, and uh, I am privileged to be before you and to have been asked to, uh, to do this Bible study, this teaching with you tonight, and uh, it's, it's a blessing. And you all, all of you, are a blessing to me, and the jump starts uh, that, we, that we air on my show Monday through Friday and also on the Dave Nemo Weekend show on, on Sundays uh, from uh, uh, Gary Rayburn and, and the various uh, chaplains. This is just a blessing, not only to me, but to our listeners as well. But we're going to talk about the miracles of Jesus. And I'm quite sure that many of you on this line can tell of a miracle that Jesus did for you in your life, or perhaps many miracles. Myself, Jesus has worked many miracles in my life in which I'll tell you uh, about one of them in particular in my conclusion. But when we talk about the miracles of Jesus in the Bible, Bible scholars say that there are somewhere between 35 to 40 miracles of Jesus given in the New Testament, and I'm going to talk about a few of them. Uh, but let's, let's start with, the, with Jesus healing the blind and mute. Matthew 9, 27 through 32. If you have your Bibles with you or if you have it on, uh, you know, do like a lot of us do in this, this uh, modern day time. We'll, you know, just pull it up on our phone or our tablet or our iPad, but uh, whatever you have, if you don't have one handy, don't worry, I'll, I'll read through the scriptures. But it's Matthew 9, 20, verses 27 through 32. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, 
Do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, I'm going to pause right now uh, just for a moment on this. Jesus asked, do you believe? He can work that miracle. Jesus knows that he can work that miracle. He knew that. But he wanted, he wanted them to know this. Do you believe that I am able to do this? So I'm going to ask you this. You don't have to answer out loud or anything, but, but answer within yourself this question. Have you ever prayed for healing? But deep down, I mean, keep in mind, you're praying, but deep down in your soul you had doubts that you'd be healed or the pain would go away. Has that ever happened to you? And, again, you don't have to answer out loud, but just, just to yourself. I have my hand raised. Yes, it has happened to me, even a man of faith. I consider myself a man of, of, of big faith. But this has happened to me um, you know, throughout the years from time to time. But I have to check myself when that happens. But do I actually really believe that God will work this miracle out, that he would heal me, uh, or whatever it is that, that I'm praying for, praying for this miracle, this breakthrough? And I have to ask myself that question. And if I find myself secretly doubting, because God knows that you're doubting, even if it's deep down in your soul, he knows that there is some doubt in there. I'll give you an example. This was our first summer here. We moved down here 15 December 2015. Our first summer was December, I mean, I'm sorry, the summer of 2016. I was working in the yard like I always love to do and, and uh, building a new uh, flower bed in the backyard and just putting the landscape, uh, you know, material down and the landscape bricks around and just, just making it look real good, putting the mulch out there. And, and all of a sudden I feel this sharp pain, like something bit me. It was, up, it was on my thigh. And I had on jeans, so I'm thinking, well, maybe, you know, a bug or an ant or whatever, you know, and I didn't think anything about it, just, hit it, hit my leg, and tried to smash whatever it was. I continued to work. Now, fast forward to that night, came in, took a shower, then I found a tick on me, on my thigh, and I just pulled it off. I've had many ticks on me throughout the years. I, you know, as, as a soldier, as, as a civilian, I've had many ticks on me, but, you know, just pull them off, never think anything about it. Uh, the next day, right, not where the tick bite was, but where the the pain I was feeling just above my knee, on my thigh, just above my knee, I noticed the next evening, uh, the next day rather, it had started to create it like a crater, like it, it was a deep crater there, and it was running. Again, you know, being the typical man, yeah, you don't think about it. You know, if you have to, put some duct tape on it. You know, you don't, don't worry about it. Just, you know, just keep on going. Just soldier through it. And I did soldier through it. And even the, each day it was getting a little bit deeper and it was running a little bit more still. Oh, I'm tough. Just soldier through it. Fast forward about uh, two, maybe three weeks later, I came down. I thought it was, it was flu symptoms. I thought I, had, I was getting a cold. Kept soldiering through it. Long story short, I had two issues going on. They never found out what that insect was, but I finally, my wife kept telling me because I was sick, and I said, oh, just bring me some Alka-Seltzer Cold Plus, and, you know, I'll be okay. And I was praying. I was praying that I would get well and, and because I was still doing the show. But one thing that is what happened was, uh, one thing that happened, rather, that really caught my attention, but, again, I was still stubborn. 
is that I left out of the driveway, pulled out of the driveway at the early morning hours, middle of the night, to go to the studio to broadcast my show, and I get to the end of my driveway, and I don't know which way to turn. I did, it was just like my brain had just froze. I, did, I didn't know. I was delirious. Didn't know if I needed to turn right or needed to turn left to get out of this subdivision. Finally, I figured it out after sitting there, and I got to the stop sign, and then I didn't know which way to turn. Do I need to turn right or left? You know, because the street ends onto this main road. So finally, after getting lost several times trying to get to work, a route that I take all the time, I'm thinking something is not right. And then on the way back home, same thing. And then I ended up uh, running a light. I didn't mean to run the light. I saw the light getting ready to turn red. You know, it turns yellow. But my motor skills was not functioning, and I knew I needed to hit the brake, but I couldn't hit the brake. Couldn't say. So anyway, the whole thing, finally, a few weeks later, and I realized I was continuing to get worse and got to the doctor and went to the, uh, to the uh, doctor's office. And the doctor said, um, you know, Mr. Ridley, you are a sick man. Had you come just a little bit later, this outcome would have been a lot worse. We would have been, I would have been putting a sheet over you and rolling you out. That's how close I was to death and didn't realize it. So long story short, again, I, after the tests and all that, she figured what it was, but she wanted to send it off. I had Lyme disease from the tick bite. They never figured out what that other bite was. We still don't know what it was. Whatever it was, you know, it was making a hole in, in, in my leg. But that eventually healed up. But the thing about it, I was so sick that... I really, it was hard to pray. It was really hard to pray. But when I did, and I remember my mom was talking to me on the phone, and she said, you need to believe. God is going to heal you. He's going to work a miracle. And I was, like I said, I've been sick, sicker than I'd ever been in my life. I've had pneumonia, you know, and I've had bronchitis. But she said, you have to believe. I'm going to believe for you. She prayed for me on the phone. But deep down, what the point I'm getting at, deep down, I just gave up and just was ready to go ahead and die. I just wanted to get out of my misery deep down. I was praying. I was letting her pray for me, and I was doing my best to pray. But deep down, I didn't believe. I just figured, you know, that was, this was it. This was going to be my way out off this earth. But it got to the point later on that I told myself, look, Chaplain, you're going to have to do what you preach. You're going to have to do what you tell others to do, what you have told others to do, what you have told soldiers to do all through, throughout your career. And other people, you're going to have to believe. And I began to believe. I be began to believe that God was going to work that miracle, and he was going to take that away from me. And my mom called again. She, would, she kept calling to check, check on me. My wife was doing the same thing, telling me that you're going to have, you know, God will take this Lyme disease. We're not going to claim this. We're not going to accept this. Fast forward, do you know, I still, I, I, I don't, you know, at first it was a big battle, but I don't have the battles that I had before with this because the doctor told me that you will always have this. And you will always, it's going to, you're going to get sick because you have chronic Lyme. You're going to get sick. You're going to get real sick, but then you will bounce back. You're going to get sick again, then you're going to bounce back. But do you know that those sick days became fewer and fewer because I believed on that miracle. I believed on that healing, and I still do. So then let's go ahead and go further. Verse 29, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, 
again. Remember, I had to have faith because at first I was praying on the surface for my healing, but I did not have the faith. I just figured that was going to be that was the vehicle that was going to take me to heaven. But God wasn't ready for me to go to heaven yet. He wasn't ready. I still have work to do here. So, again, verse 29 says, Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But what did they do? They went out their way and spread the news about him all over that region. I guess, you know, think about it. Maybe we would have done the same thing. We were so happy that we could see again, and we'd go out there and say, hey, you're not going to believe this, but I can see, and let me tell you who did this. But while they were going out, this is verse 32, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed, could not talk, was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd, and again, this is another miracle. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. And let me tell you about a pastor that I had. This was many years ago. And he would often share a story of how Jesus miraculously healed him of cancer. And this was after his doctor gave him up to die. Uh, and as a matter of fact, he was a retired truck driver. He would often use that in his in his sermons about you know about his. He was really proud to be a retired truck driver. But he uh, he he would he would talk about this occasionally in his messages about how he was sitting on the table, the examining table, and facing the doctor. And when the doctor told him that you're not going to live long, he gave, basically gave him up to die. Told him to go home and get his affairs in order. He said to the doctor, and this is what he would tell us in church, he said to the doctor when he told him that, uh, that he only had a few months to live, he looked at his doctor and he looked him in the eyes and said, I'm not going nowhere until Jesus says, it's time for me to go. And he went on to tell this doctor this, and I never will forget because he would use this, and I, and I was so mesmerized by his faith. He says, I'm believing my God for healing. And get this, when he shared that story, he was talking about what the doctor told him over 30 years ago. Over 30 years ago, the doctor only gave him a few months to live at best. But over 30 years later, he was still telling his testimony about the miraculous healing of Jesus. Jesus, of course, still works those same miracles today. You just have to believe. You just have to believe deep down. It's one thing to pray, but it's another thing to believe as you're praying. Let's talk about another one in Mark 1, 40 through 42. 1, verses 40 through 42. This is when a leper came to Jesus. A leper came to Jesus begging him. In, now, in Jesus' day, let me, let me kind of break this down a little bit. In Jesus' day, the word leprosy was used for a broad range of skin conditions, in, including uh, diseases as boils, and ringworms and things like that. Uh, some of those diseases had no, no, no known cures back then and were thus greatly feared. So some, some were highly communicable. So lepers were required to live in isolation. Uh, you know, could you imagine, you know, you're not allowed to, to communicate with people, be around people because you were shunned upon. So let me sidetrack just for a moment to 
very briefly explain this. Now, this is this to live being required rather to live in isolation. That was according to the Torah law. Okay, so let me briefly explain what the Torah law is. Torah, which is instruction or teaching, and that has a range, a myriad of, of, of meanings. Basically, uh, has has a lot of meanings, but can most specifically mean the first five books, the Pentateuch, actually, the first five books of Moses, of the 24 books of the Hebrew Bible. And I don't want to get, you know, too much, I don't want to get deep into that, but, but this is basically what, what that is. Uh, it can also mean the continued narrative from all the 24 books from Genesis to the end of uh, Chronicles. So the Torah law prescribes that the leper in whom the plague is, is shall wear torn clothes. So they wanted to make sure that the leper was recognized by others. And the hair of his head shall hang loose. He shall cover up his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. So how, how would you feel having a disease like that? Would you or could you believe in a miracle if you were shunned upon, if you had to go around and telling people that you were unclean uh, you had to go a certain way. You had to wear torn clothes. So all the days in which the plague is in this person, he shall be unclean. He shall dwell alone. Outside of the camp shall be his dwelling. The Old Testament now has several accounts of God afflicting people with leprosy as punishment. And those, and we won't go into those right now, but that's Numbers, uh, the 12th chapter, chapter of Numbers, the Second Kings, Second uh, Kings, the fifth chapter, and so on. But leprosy, therefore, had multiple dimensions to include medical, religious, social, and financial issues. Now, let's break each one of these down, and I don't want to lose anyone, uh, you know, by by jumping off course so much. But I'm going to tie all this together. The afflicted person, as far as the medical part, was considered to be ritually unclean. And that's the spiritual part as well. They were, they were, uh, they were deemed unclean. Uh, unclean meaning the way they kept themselves and also spiritually, un- spiritually unclean. Now, back to what I was just telling you about the punishment. So people just figured they had been punished by God. Lepers were required to live alone and to maintain a distance of 50 paces from other people. This is the social part. You remember I was mentioning the social religious, financial, and medical. So this is the social part. They were not allowed to socialize with other people. Now, if the leper touched another person or was touched by them, guess what? The other person was considered to be diseased and ritually unclean until examined by a priest and pronounced clean. So that was a whole lot that, that a leper would go through or, or would endure uh, in other words, both the disease and the ritual impurity were communicable. So the person who was afflicted was unab- unable to work. So remember, I was mentioning about the financial aspect, aspect of it. So they were reduced to begging because they couldn't make any money. And most likely, the leper's family was also reduced to begging as well. So the medical problem was terrible, but uh, the other consequences added crushing weight to an already awful situation. Now, do you know that Jesus healed 
the leprosy, the, the, the person that was, that, was, uh, uh, that was afflicted with leprosy. Uh, but again, if you, if you believe that you, are going, that you are healed, that God will heal you, you will be healed. You have to believe if, you, if it's a financial situation that you're going through. If you believe that God will get you through and give you that breakthrough, you will be delivered from that. Uh, he will pour down his blessings. And what I tell people is thank him in advance. Thank him in advance. It, was, it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, when my son was, I guess he was about five years old, and I told him that we were, we were going to go to Disneyland. Uh, Disney World. Which one is in Florida? Is it? I always get them mixed up. But anyway, whichever the whichever one is in Florida, I, I told him we're going to go there. And so every just about every day, he would come, run, jump in my lap, Daddy. Thank you for taking me, wanting to take me to Disneyland. He would jump in my lap again, Daddy. Thank you for taking, wanting to take me to Disneyland. You know what that did to me as a parent, as a father. It made me want to do that for him even more. Same thing with Jesus. Same thing with our Lord. The more you thank him in advance, the more you're moving him to do this for you. So I tell people, whatever it is that you are in need of, if it's a miracle through a healing or a financial breakthrough or a job or a promotion, whatever that is, even college students, if it's for you know, an A on your exam, to pass that exam with flying colors, you start thanking him in advance for that. And that, that moves God. But let's go back to the healing. Uh, but let, let's take a closer look at, at this healing, back to, to the leprosy part. Remember, leprosy is contagious. The leper does not transmit his uncleanliness to Jesus when Jesus went up to him. Jesus didn't worry about catching the leprosy, did he? He didn't worry about that. But what he wanted to do was make him clean, medically, spiritually, and socially. In this gospel, we read about Jesus touching or associating with other people in ways that would potentially defile him. But the thing about it, with Jesus' power, he transmits his blessings into you. You don't transmit whatever is negative into him. He transmits his blessings into you and over you. And again, it's about believing in the miracle. Let's go to another, another miracle. We're going to get ready to wrap it up. I don't want to go over, over time or anything like that. Uh, but let's take a look at another miracle right quick. Let's go now to how Jesus feed 4,000. Mark 8, and this is from the NIV version, Mark 8. Jesus feeds for the 4,000. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had not, nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where is this remote place? Can anyone get enough bread to feed them? They were looking through the natural eye, right? His disciples were looking through the natural eye. They didn't see a Domino's pizza anywhere in, in, in where they could get, you know, call in and get the pizza delivered to them. They didn't see a McDonald's, a Golden Arches anywhere. They didn't see a Burger King or a Taco Bell. So they were figuring there's, there's nothing out here. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're in a remote place. 
Can anyone get enough bread to feed them? 4,000 people? Think about it. The disciples knew that that, that there, was, there was nothing around. There, there were no restaurants, nothing. So Jesus said, ask, how many loaves of bread do you have? How many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. See how calm Jesus is? He already knows. He already knows what the end result is going to be. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given them, given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. Not one time did Jesus say, oh, man, I mean, what am I going to do? There's nothing around. There's no restaurants around. There's no seafood places. I can't find a bakery. He didn't lose it, did he? Jesus was just real calm. He told them to sit on the ground. Hand the seven loaves to them, to him rather. He broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute. He was cool about this. He was okay, level-headed. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up. Now get this, afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. Have you ever been to the point, and I'm asking you this, have you ever been to the point of not knowing where your next meal was coming from? And somehow, some way, you had something to eat. You had plenty to eat. It was Jesus providing for you. So let me, I'm going to end with this. Uh, this is what happened to me, something that happened to me uh, when I was about 12 years old, and that was my first year playing football. First year, I received a uh, knee injury. As a result of the knee injury, I had to uh, be on crutches for several weeks. Uh, I was never demonstrated, you know, back then they just gave you the crutches and sent you on your way. I don't know how they do it now, but uh, what happened, I was, wasn't, it wasn't demonstrated how to use it. So I was going to school you walking on my crutches and, and going up and down the stairs. The school I went to had like three floors, and it was fine. It was okay. I even learned back then. I was in the uh, seventh grade. I would learn how to dance on my, with my crutches, but I had no idea that by me leaning on, you know, having the crutches up under my armpit, leaning down, I was leaning my, my pressing my armpits on the tops of the crutches, that they were damaging my nerves, Okay. I had no, no idea that was going on until I uh, uh, sustained paralysis in my left arm. They still didn't know what, what the reason was, but I didn't have any, got to the point I couldn't use it. I couldn't feel anything, had no feeling. It was just there. Uh, went back, to, my mom took me back to the doctor, and by that time I was partially paralyzed in my right arm. Couldn't get myself dressed or anything. She took me back to the doctor, and that's when the doctor said, well, He's been walking on the crutches the wrong, walking with them the wrong way, and he's damaged his nerves. He has nerve damage, and he's, this is the way he's going to be for the rest of his life. So you can imagine how our mom would feel. You know, a 12-year-old son is going to be paralyzed in one arm and partially paralyzed in the other arm and still waiting for the knee to heal up. So she was really going through it. Um, I would hear her cry. She didn't know that I would hear, you know, that I was listening, but I was I would hear it through her door because I would stand outside the door sometimes being nosy, and, and I would hear her crying. And um, so one night she says, uh, let me, let me call, call one of the elders at the church. 
I'm going to have them pray for, for you over the phone. She did that. And when he did that, after his prayer, he told her to reach to my uh, left arm, uh, to my left hand, rather, and get me to squeeze her finger. She, he said, he asked her first, do you believe that he has restored strength in his arm? She, says, she said, yes, I do. She placed her finger in my hand, and I squeezed it. For the first time, I was able to move my fingers, my, my fingers to squeeze. So my next doctor's appointment, he had me do the same thing, and I squeezed his finger so hard he, he yelled, you know, ouch. So he went up and down the hallways saying this is a miracle. He went and got the nurses, the other doctors, and everybody because they had, you know, began to send me to rehab to teach me how to go through the rest of my life with one, you know, a partial one arm, basically. So all that being said, that left arm, and, and, and this is what the elder told uh, Elder Fields. I'll never forget his name, Fields. I don't remember his first name, his last name. Elder, uh, last name was Fields. He told my mother, he said, now, when this was on the phone, just backtracking to when he had her on the phone, he said, this is going to be God's arm. This arm is going to be stronger than it's ever been, and it's going to always be stronger than his right arm. And I ended up regaining strength in my right arm as well. But he was right. This arm to this day is still my strongest arm. And I'm not even left-handed. I'm right-handed, but it's my strong arm. And it just shows you, again, the miracles that Jesus works in our lives every day. He's working miracles every single day. He is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. All right, let's say amen. Praise God. Backed in a corner Not made of walls Surrounded by failure That taught him to fall Oh, he's got more trouble Than life should ever allow His wife just left him And the bills are stacked high And this pain in his heart It don't stop when he cries But he knows a great fixer upper Up in the sky Who never asks questions He don't need Specializes in those hearts at the end of the line. A little prayer, a few changes, some fixing up, and he'll be just fine. To a story So he lives on his 
today where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired or you're sick and tired of trying to do it all on your own and make it work and it's just not working out very well for you maybe you need to try Jesus you know he is Jesus said I'm the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father but by me and so if that's you I just want to ask you just to take a moment and let's just pray this prayer and just ask Jesus to take control of your life and just say you know Lord I can't do this anymore. I acknowledge that you are the Son of God, that you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I'm going to put my faith and trust in you. I need you, and I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I want you to take my life and take control of it. I surrender it over to you, and I want to live my life for you for the rest of my life. And just help me to do the very best I can to follow you. And I thank you for saving me and for cleansing me of my sins. And that's all you have to say. I mean, just something as simple as that. Just acknowledge that he is the Lord and Savior of your life, that you want to give it over to him, and that you want to live your life for him. So, and if that was you and you decided to pray that prayer, then we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. If you need to contact Lonesome Road, give us a call. Uh, Gary will give the information, and uh, we want to send you some more CDs, and we want to help you along the way and give you some things to kind of help you in your new walk. The story in the Bible where um, Jesus healed the guy, and uh, he got called before the Pharisees, and they were, like, really drilling him and saying, hey, you got to explain all this, you got to just... And uh, they were saying, you know, pretty much, I'm paraphrasing here, but they were saying, don't you know that he's not the true Messiah? He's of the devil and all that. And finally, I love what the guy said. He said, look, I'm going I'm to say it like Dennis would say it. Yeah. Look, y'all, 
<laughs> All I can tell you is I was in need. I was blind. He healed me, and now no, I can I see. see. Whether he be right or wrong, y'all can decide that for yourself. I'm just telling you what he did for, for me. me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's the best way to share. And don't ever try to get into some kind of argument or get too philosophical with people. Just, man, just keep it simple. Just tell them about Jesus and point them to the cross. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it'll happen every time when you try to go witness somebody. They'll ask you a question that you can't answer, mm-hmm. and nobody else can either because there isn't, nobody knows the answer. And they, that is Satan's ploy to sidetrack mm-hmm. you from doing what God has called you to do. And that's, that's right. simply share what you know. Share your testimony. Mm-hmm. Share what happened to you. And uh, when they ask you a question like that, say, I don't know the answer to that, but here's what I do know. Right. I know what God has done in my life. I know how he saved me. I know how he lifted me up out of that miry clay, how he cleaned me up, how he set me on solid rock. He, he established my goings and uh, I know what God is doing in my life right now and that's all you got to do is is stay with what you know mm-hmm. right. And, that's right you know yeah. there's nothing wrong with being theologically sound and and having a foundation and for there's, knowing what you believe but at the end of the day man the most important thing is just tell them about Jesus tell them about the love of Jesus that's right. the great commission man there you just, go just bring them bring them to Christ and, you know, um, I don't think we'll probably ever, all the churches and all the Christians will ever see eye to eye on every little thing there is about Christianity and about the Bible. But, you know, I think we can all have one common denominator, and that is that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He came and he lived on this earth, and he paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins that we could have salvation. At the end of the day, you don't you don't need any more than that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Keep it simple, Saints. K I S S. That's right. <laughs> yes. My phone number is 618-383-2107. And uh, you can log on to our website, lonesomeroad.org. We do want to hear from you. You can call us, text us, or email us. Uh, you can find my email address through our website. And we will send you some CDs to help you out there on that old lonesome road. He slammed the door. Walked out to his car Oh, he'd made idle threats But never had he gone this far And his crying wife Listened to him drive away Oh, but she never heard She never thought he might say 
he said, I'm gonna find me a doctor. Let him work on this heart. I'll ask him to bypass all my bad parts. And when this surgeon is finished. Be my dearest friend Then on down the highway He turned the radio on And that's when he caught the last few words of his mama's favorite song Oh, I was blind Oh, but now I see And in the great position down and set this heart free I guess he found him a doctor that would work on his heart with a Guess who is his dearest friend? Well, friends, I know you enjoyed that music by Mike Manuel. I'm going to find me a doctor and also a great fixer-upper. And I thought them went right along with the message that Dr. Tim Ridley brought to us tonight, The Miracles of Jesus. Hey, if you want to give Mike Manuel a call, man, he's got some awesome music that you can order. His phone number is 615-601-8313. He also travels all over the country sharing the love of God and his music. And man, I'll tell you, he is a real treat to have at your church. So give him a call, book him, or just thank him for being a part of Lonesome Road Ministries. 
All right, Dennis, what we need to do is we need to close today's program with a song off of our Lonesome Road CD. Let's do it at the foot of the tree. How's that? That's my awesome. testimony in song, and uh, that's the first song that we've done on, it is. on uh, Lonesome Road Volume, Volume 1. Volume 1, that was the very first one. Yeah. Here is Dennis McKay singing At the Foot of the Tree. Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those 18 wheels are rolling that old lonesome road and I shared the good news wherever I go yes there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be and I tell everybody what's happened to me how I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past but I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus Foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree
would love to hear from you. My phone number is 618-383-2107, or you can call Chaplain Dennis McKay. 662-889-2829. And we're looking forward to riding along with you next week, right here in the cab. been driving all night, got 400 miles to go. Got the pedal to the metal and Vince Gill on the radio. I just went through Texarkana, heading down to San Antonio. But that's the life of the trucker driving this lonesome road. Well, my backside's sore and this old truck is sure is slow. I can hear temptation calling on the CB radio. She promised me good loving and she'll surely get me stoned. Well, that's the life of a trucker driving is a lonesome road. I said, drive, trucker, drive. You better run for your life. She's a devil in disguise and she's gonna ruin your life. Can't be the money that keeps me on the run. I is that wide line fever that keeps me on the road. Well, I could probably get lucky down around San Antonio. Day long star, honey, that would like to call this rigor on. Ah, but you know that kind of loving, it will only wreck your home. It's the life of a trucker driving, there's a lonesome road. Yeah, I said, drive, trucker, drive. You better run for your life. She's a devil in disguise, and she's gonna ruin your life. Well, it can't be the money that keeps me on the run. It's that white line fever that keeps me on the road. Yeah, I said drive, trucker, drive. You better run for your life. She's a devil in disguise and she's gonna run your life. Can't be the money that keeps me on the run. It's that white line fever that keeps me on the road. Fire up, boy. Hey, Breaker 1-9. How's it looking over your shoulder there, buddy? Come on back. Anybody got your ears on out there? Man, it's lonesome tonight.